our first type of unforgiveness, I think, I called it the before Christ, but I think we kind of still do it as Christians, is the one that I will not forgive out of fear. I will not forgive because you should not be able to do that to me. You owe me justice. That kind of place. And I know we have all, if we're honest, we have all lived there. But the problem with this is that when you focus so much on not giving up with forgiveness, not giving up that forgiveness, what ends up happening is that you're constantly focused on what you don't want. You're constantly focused on the offense. And so what happens then is that our brain is constantly offended because we're always focused on what we don't want. So women in the room, men too, but women in the room for sure can relate. Ever try to go on a diet? And you walk around and you say, I will not eat cake. I do not want cake. Cake and cupcakes, no, I will not have it. I will not have it. And so you're all day running around thinking about cake. And then you go to the grocery store, and you bought your fruits and vegetables, and they're in the cart, and you're, I don't want that cake. And you're trying to turn your eye, and you walk by somebody who has cake in their buggy, and what are you doing? Their cart. My George is coming out. In their cart. And what do you say? Oh, they are going to get that. <laughs> right? We're constantly focused on what we don't want, and we're grumpy about it. But if we walk around all day and say, I'm Erin, and I love fruits and vegetables. Hi, I'm Erin. I love fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables are my jam. What are we going to be thinking at the end of the day? Fruits and vegetables. So something about holding on to a forgiveness that is in spite of, and like, you owe me justice, it focuses us in on what hurts. It focuses us in on what we shouldn't have in our life, and then we're constantly looking for that for the rest of our lives. We're constantly being offended. So that's one journey of forgiveness. And that's when the fear keeps you from forgiving. But then the other path, another path of forgiveness, is the one where we say, I'm going to forgive all the time because I'm so afraid I'll lose them. Have you met those people, the ones in your life that are like, please don't leave me, please don't leave me. I love you. I'll do anything. I'll change. I'll do whatever you want me to do because I don't want you to leave me. Had that journey too. But that part of forgiveness, the problem with that, is that you are forgiving but you're forgiving to fill a hole that was not meant to be filled by the person you're forgiving. And so your forgiveness is constant, but it's at your detriment because you're filling a hole very temporarily. So that's two. So then we go through this journey, we become Christians, we feel like we've got everything together, and then all of a sudden we become this super forgiver where, you know that first stage of Christianity where you're like, oh, Jesus loves me, I'm going to forgive that. I'm going to forgive that they cut me off in traffic. I will not honk my horn. I will not say not me, because I love Jesus. Remember that stage of Christianity? Well, we are doing everything because that's what we're supposed to do, which isn't bad, but where's your heart? And so the piece of that that has a problem is that you're forgiving out of your pride. You're forgiving from a place of wanting to prove yourself as a Christian instead of forgiving from a place of surrender. And so that, too, doesn't quite work. Well, then we get set in our ways as Christians, and we're like, mm -hmm. I call this the blind Christian. I hear you, Jesus, but I will not. And the best way I can do um, a metaphor for this is I have this amazing niece, and she is so precious, and she has this great big personality, and her favorite game is hide-and-seek. So if you've ever played hide-and-seek with little kids, you can guess where this story is going. She loves to find really great places to hide, but she only hides half of her body. And so it's notorious to play hide and seek with Natalie, and you'll walk into the room, and you'll see her being completely still, and her feet are sticking out from underneath the blanket. I love it. Sometimes she'll even go into a corner and just turn her head to it so that you can't see her because she can't see you. 
And I think that this is another stage of forgiveness that we go through because we think that if we just close our ears to what he's saying, we can keep going. He's telling us to forgive. He's telling us that this is what we're supposed to do, but we don't want to. And so we just choose not to hear it. But the problem with this is that when we're choosing not to hear one part of God, we can block out the rest. And the rest is where we get our purpose. So I want you to think about yourself. Do you fall in any of those categories? Is there any, and if we're honest, we probably have fallen in all of them at one point in time. But then there's this other version, this version that we look at Jesus and we see what an example he was of forgiveness, breathing his last breath, looking eye to eye with these people, pouring out his love. And I call that the Vincent Christian, the one who, even when it's hard, God flows in and God flows out. His words come in, his forgiveness comes in, and even when it's hard, that's exactly what flows out. And that's really hard to be, if we're honest. So we're going to talk about how we get there. <coughs> so our first step in learning about forgiveness is to change your perspective of forgiveness. So I love, um, I've heard a thousand times, I'm sure you have too, that quote that says, not forgiving, unforgiveness is like <coughs> sipping poison and hoping the other person will die. You've heard that. Yeah, only a few, okay. Heard it a couple times. So I think that's a great example. It's very thoughtful. It reminds us that we're punishing ourselves. But if I'm like Matt, or if you're like me, when I'm in the midst of unforgiveness, I'm kind of martyr-like. You need to get there. So you're like, they just hurt me. I'll just be fine. I'll just go. They hurt me. And you get in this martyr-like stage. So I feel like, even though that makes sense, there's a little Shakespearean thought to me that I feel like I can get behind that. Like, I shall drink this poison and thou shalt die, right? There is something to that that doesn't quite get me underneath to jump on board with forgiveness. I'm kind of more of a logical person. So I'm going to see if we can cue the video, and we're going to talk about the logical version of forgiveness.
Okay. Ever been there? So the logical perspective. Forgiveness frees you. Unforgiveness makes you stuck. And something in knowing that when I'm stuck, I just got to get out of there. I just have to get off the escalator. Helps me to take a step in the right direction. And you may not think that about your unforgiveness. You may not be at a place where you think that you're stuck. But you're stuck. And you probably haven't thought that you're stuck because all you're thinking about is your unforgiveness. And sometimes the logical perspective of forgiveness is just to get off the escalator. So that's our first thing. Let's change our perspective. It's logical. It's not that we're going to think about this later and be, you know, oh my gosh, I need to sit and think about forgiveness and understand how to do it. It's just logical. So let's start there. The second thing we're going to do is talk about the consequences of unforgiveness. So we're going to read a verse. Let me get it up. Okay. So Matthew 18, 23 through 27, it should pop up on the screen. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with a servant who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors, who owed him a million dollars, those of you with your student loan debt are feeling pretty good right now, he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. The man to pay the debt, but the man fell down before his master and begged him. Please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. So I ran right into this because I don't think that this sounds like something that Jesus would be talking about, but this is Jesus. And so he's trying to talk metaphorically about what this looks like. So this king has caused all these people. This guy is super in debt, more than any of us have probably hopefully have ever been. And he walks in, and he is just full of just grief and begging for forgiveness. And so the king offers him grace. So what do you think happens next in this story? I, when I was reading this, thought we're going to have like one of those women at the well kind of moments where he runs out and tells everybody how gracious he had been and how he saw him in this moment and forgave him. That's not quite what happened. So he goes out and finds people who owe him money. And it, the Bible says he actually grabs them by the neck. It's very dramatic. And he throws them in jail, which, again, logically doesn't make sense. So he throws them in jail until they can pay the debt. And the man is running around collecting all his debts after he receives that grace. But he didn't have enough, and the king had pity on him. But then in the reverse, he didn't offer that same pity. So let's see what the king did. Um, starting in verse 32, the king called in the man and he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. I forgave that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you, forget, if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So it's like savage Jesus moment there. I read that and I was like, oh, okay, serious. So in that moment, what happened was that he came back, and what was supposed to happen to him happened to him because he couldn't offer that same grace and that same forgiveness. But the point I want to make from this scripture is that when we go into unforgiveness, we have to think about the consequences. We have to think about what the, what the downside is to carrying this around. And the consequences of unforgiveness is that you get into your own prison. This prison is most likely made up of your emotions. And they whisper things to you. And they tell you that shouldn't have happened. You should never have had to go through that. How dare they? 
do that to you. Do you felt those moments where it just covers you and you cannot get past it? It's a, it's a prison around you because all you can think about is that unforgiveness. And I think about that all the time. How many times have I gotten into a moment where somebody has hurt me or someone has said something to me and it just changes my perspective? So I was off on spring break for a couple of days with my kids and thought I would do Susie Housekeeper and clean my cabinets. Not really a great idea, but I was doing it. And luckily this really great song came on and I was feeling super grateful and everything in the world was wonderful and I loved my family and I loved the sunshine coming through my windows and everything was wonderful. Until something made me mad. And then as soon as something made me mad, the cabinets were too dirty to even clean. Been there? How dare that happen? I am just horribly in a, I'm just, my mood is just awful. Because what happened then is my feelings were very real, but they altered my perspective. And when you alter that perspective, I lost my purpose in what I was doing in that moment. I was trying to be the housekeeper. And so one of the things I want us to think about when we talk about the consequences of unforgiveness is what emotions are you holding on to that have put you in a prison, that are whispering to you, that are changing your perspective of your whole life? Are you holding them? Are you looking through that lens because you don't see that it's a consequence? You don't see that it has whispered so much to you that everything in your life feels negated right now. Because it happens. And if we're all honest, you've all had that cleaning cabinet moment where one thing makes you mad and everything in the world changed. So going to that place helps us look at those consequences and understand that somewhere in there we've got to dig out and be bigger than that. We have to come out of our emotions and be able to see what the consequences are. So how do we do that? I think this perspective of Jesus is what's important. Because somewhere in that moment when Jesus was on that cross, I assumed that his emotions were talking to him too. At this point in the journey, Jesus is fully human, completely human. So you can imagine the same emotions that we would have on that cross are the same emotions that he would be having. He probably was thinking, I just should just call the angels down. I should just get off of this. You could probably, I mean, he had someone beside him saying, if you're the son of God, get down. They were threatening him, so there could have been a moment where, you know, Jesus was sinless, but he probably didn't have the pride. But how tempting would it have been to think, I don't deserve this. Why would I do this? Look, there's somebody over there sinning right now while I'm on the cross. But in that moment, Jesus chose to be a savior. And so here's the point I want to make from this. Your emotions will always tell you something. And sometimes it's right. Sometimes your emotions will tell you exactly what you need to hear to get you to the solution of the problem. But when these emotions start to change your perspective of your life, you've got to be bigger than your emotions. You're never going to want to choose to forgive. You never will. Wipe it off the slate. If you're sitting praying, God, help me want to forgive. God, help me choose to forgive this because I just really don't feel like I should in my heart. You never will. Forgiveness is walking off the escalator when you don't want to because your emotions are loud. But if we can see through the perspective of Jesus, what we're learning from him is that in this moment, he's choosing to be a savior over his suffering. And so I don't know what suffering you've been through, I don't know what you've encountered in your life that you may be looking at, and that's all you can see. But I want to challenge you. Because it has to, there has to be a point where you stop choosing your emotions. That you stop choosing your prison. Because at some point, we have to look at Jesus and see what he did 
we're willing to take a step into that type of forgiveness. But we choose to do it because Jesus chose to be our Savior. So the next step in this is that we have to remember his love is big enough to cover any offense. So one of the things I struggled with one time was on an airplane. And if any of you have ever flown, some of you really like looking out of the airplane. Some of you, that sounds like torture. Who loves to look out of the airplane? Oh, good, there's more of you, so you relate to this. Um, for those of you who have a fear of heights, just turn it off for a second. This may trigger you a bit. So I love to look out of the wing, over the wings and out of the airplane, and I love to watch the world kind of disappear. But the very first time I did that, I started really having a hard time understanding how God could see me in all of that. I looked down, I could see the trees disappearing, I could see the houses disappearing, I could see everything to where it was just clouds. And I remember getting this feeling that I was really small. And I want you to think about those moments. Have you had that? Where the unforgiveness is really huge because you feel like you're so small, there's no way God could have seen what happened to you. And I struggled so much with that. I struggled with this moment of God being so big and I watched all these galaxies and all these things and how we're at this point of just being the size of a golf ball next to these giant galaxies. And I look at that and I think, what, how in the world did you see me in all of that? So do you believe he sees you? Because one of the things that happened to me was right after that moment, things started happening. And they were so personal. They were so exact. And they were so right on point with me to be able to know he sees me. And not only has he seen me, but he loves me enough to show me that he sees me. And so the fourth step in this forgiveness journey is lean into that. Know that no matter what has happened, he is big enough to cover it. He has seen you hurt. He has seen those moments when she lied to you. He saw those moments when he left. He saw the moments when he hurt you. He saw that moment when they betrayed you. The same way he saw everything happening around from eye to eye on the cross. So my question to you is, do you believe it? Do you believe that he was there and he was there and he knows it? Because then when you do, you can open that up. Because when you start to open that up to God, guess what he'll do? He'll heal it. But he can't heal it until you open it for him. And then the second part of that is once it's open, and once he's in there and he's busy and he can see it, he finds your purpose. Because the hard part of what unforgiveness does is it hides your purpose. You're walking around in your world. You're sitting there thinking, I just have to, I can't get past this, I can't get past this. And what you're missing and around you and all of your world is your purpose is happening without you. we got to go in. we got to let him get into the deepest parts of our heart, the deepest hurts of our heart. And we're not going to want to. We are absolutely not going to want to. But when we choose to, he gets in there. He heals it. And he shows you this amazing purpose. The addict who let him in and got healed and now helps the other addicts. The depressed person who came in and got their life figured out and God came in and healed the pain, healed the things that they were doing and they found a way to walk through it. They know how to help, help they know how to help the other person find their way through it. The person whose husband walked out on them and leaned on Jesus now helps the other single moms who feel like I can't do this too much. The mom who had the toddler on the ground crying and screaming and leaned on Jesus to help be the right kind of mom for them. When their child grows up and they got through it, they passed that victory on. 
somewhere in the worst of the worst of the worst of what you're feeling is a purpose hidden in that. But it's being covered and it's being hidden by that unforgiveness. So what's in there? Do you believe that he sees you? Do you believe that no matter what happens, he can cover anything? Because what I see from Jesus in that moment is this ability to look at it in the eye. This ability to take a look and, and shift in that moment. Because what we're going to do is want to forgive all the wrong way. Right? We're going to want to be the, the stanky Christian, we'll call it that. The one who's just being angry about everything. We're going to be the blinder Christian. We're going to be the one who's just not wanting to move. But how do we flip through that? If we can see that God has a journey for us, if we can see that he has a purpose for us, and we can remember that he looks eye to eye with the very worst, pushed his feet on that nail and said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Something in there is where we find it. Something in that moment where we see an amazing love and that he did it for us is where we find it. Because you're going to want to look at the situation and you're going to say, I just, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm just going to do it anyway. But that's forgiving in spite. And my dear friend Lana one time told me, you're doing that out of spite you got to do it anyway. Because he knew that we would mess up and he went to the cross anyway. He knew that you would suffer in your marriage and he went to the cross anyway. He knew that people would hurt you and you would not react the right way and he went to the cross anyway. He knew that you would have a moment where you look like a crazy person because you lost all the Jesus that you had on Sunday. But he went to the cross anyway. And so I want you to think about this moment that you're in. Are you sitting in a moment where you can't get out of it? Are you sitting in a moment where you think, oh, just forgive him anyway because that's the right thing to do? Or are you willing to make the choice to look at Jesus' life and say, I'm going to forgive him anyway? I'm going to forgive him anyway. God saw that moment and it was horrible. It broke my heart. But I'm going to forgive him anyway. Because I have a Savior, and he has a purpose for me. And I refuse to not step into that purpose. Because when he was on that cross, he was on that cross for me. I'm going to do it anyway. And so what I want you to do is we're going to do a little exercise. I want you to close your eyes. Because some of you, as soon as I mentioned the word forgiveness, you saw the person. And some of you were like, no, I'm not going to start this conversation with her. And some of you, it hurts you bad to even think of. So you've been thinking about going to lunch the whole time we've been here. And that's okay. But I want you to pull forward the person that you, that you brought up in your mind when you heard the word forgiveness. And imagine them looking at you. What would you say to them? What would you say in that moment to tell them how it felt? Let the thoughts come up. Let the emotions come up. You're not going to want to. Choose it. Now, what you're saying right now, is it worth losing your purpose? And some of you right now are seeing yourself. Some of you right now feel like I'm the unforgivable one. I'm the one who can't stand here because I don't deserve it. And guess what? Thinking that is not worth losing your purpose. Because Jesus not only went to the cross for you, he went to the cross for me. And for all of you who have another person, he went to the cross for them as well. Whether they loved him or not, he did. 
I was asking you, is it worth it? Is it worth losing the sight of what I have for you in your life to hold on to this? Is it worth reliving this story over and over and over again and missing all the joy that I have for you? Is it worth it? And some of you may be saying yes because some pains are really hard and some pains are really deep. But that probably means you have a great purpose. A really, really great purpose. Because with that kind of power and that level of feeling, there comes a level of emotion that can change the world for Jesus. So I want you to remember that. I want you to see that in your eyes when you think about them and that comes across. Is it worth it? Am I willing to forgive them anyway? So I'm going to pray. And I want us to take a second and just leave prayer to have a moment with whatever is in us. And if you're willing, pray this alongside in your mind. Because this is a moment that could change everything. Get off the escalator. Get out of this moment. And stop reliving everything that's been torturing us from the last few years. Father, we love you. There is not a thing on this earth that you can't handle. And there's not a moment on this earth that you didn't see. Father, I pray that every person in this room feels your love through that. There may be a question of why you let that happen. But God, I pray you cover that with I, it happened to me too, and I love you. And God, I pray that every person in this room for once will not feel alone in this journey. That they will listen to you. They will seek you. They will try to find out what you're trying to show them through this. And God, for the first time, release the unforgiveness that has haunted them for years. Because God, we know that you have a plan for us. We know that you have a purpose for us. And God, I pray that that purpose and our love for you will overwhelm any hurt that we might have experienced. So as we sit in this moment and we think through the things we're carrying, God, I pray that their heart will soften. And God, the choice to stepping into this victorious life where we make a difference and we make a change, we rise up in them and become greater than whatever they were carrying. God, we thank you that you're already working on that. And we thank you that you sealed the deal when you went to the cross. And we don't have to fight these battles anymore. Because you fight them with us and for us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So the second question I have for you. If some of you have never taken the first forgiveness, the one where you realize you've got things going in your life at your own will, and it's going okay. So there's something in the back of your mind that feels that hold. And you know that there's something that you need to do. That you know you need a savior. And so what I want us to do is take a second and reflect on that. Has Jesus been a religion? Has he been going to church, checking the box, doing what we're supposed to be doing? Or is he genuinely the voice in the back of your mind telling you, this is how life should go. Take this step. Move this way. Love me. Love me. And if he's not there, I want to give us a second to talk through that. I'm going to make you bow your heads again. And so I want to take a second for those who that might be you. You said, I'm going to come to this church. I don't really want to in this moment because I don't even know who this Jesus guy is. But something feels like I should. Or I've heard stories of I just knew when I walked in that door, they would have something I needed. But I might not feel like I'm worthy of that. But I'm going to choose it. I'm going to choose Jesus to come and overwhelm my entire life to become that voice that guides me. 
And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Anyone else? Hands are going up. Okay. We always pray this as a church family because no one should pray this by themselves. Well, it's okay for you. We want to do this together because we're your people. So everybody, I'm going to pray and I want you to repeat after me. Father God, we love you. We thank you that you showed us what forgiveness means. And God, we ask you to be our Savior. We are so unworthy, but you did it anyway. And so God, I pray today that you would change my life. You would change who I am. Help me find my purpose, even when there's pain. Today, I want you to be my Savior. Forgive my sins and make me new. And make me a person that honors you in all I do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a hand to those that we've been